Well, good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time here with us or you're joining us for the first time online, uh, we're so glad that you've joined us today. And uh, hopefully you have enjoyed worship so far. And as we continue, um, I trust that uh, God will speak to you through his word um, this morning. Uh, We've been in a sermon series in the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, you can open up with me to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to be uh, looking into Daniel chapter 3. We're, we're going through the entire book of Daniel, and there's a ton of stuff in this book that we could, we, I mean, we could spend years uh, going through this book, but we're kind of taking this bird's eye view, kind of this, this plane flight over the book of Daniel and kind of pulling out some of the main things that we see God did through Daniel's life and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny for all my VeggieTales friends out there. Uh, through these guys, and it's, uh, it's an amazing thing that, that we're going through. And uh, I'm really excited about the, the end of this series as we get into chapters 7, 8, and 9. Uh, it's what theologians call apocalyptic literature or end times um, eschatological studies. Uh, so we're going to be looking into some of the end times stuff as we get into that. And how many people here really believe that we are in the end times? I mean, we are, we are really there. Even Jesus said we were in the end times, and that's back when uh, he was alive. So we know we are in the end times, but I think we are reaching the end of the end times. So it's going to be exciting to study through that. Before we jump into that, though, I want to handle and talk about some family business. It's with a heavy heart um, that um, I share with you today that we lost one of our deacons um, in heaven gained, uh, a deacon from Mission View Church. Last Saturday afternoon, around 3 o'clock, I received a text uh, letting me know that Chris Durfler had passed away. He went to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Chris uh, was an amazing man of God, loved the Lord. He led our missions team to Guatemala just a couple years ago. I was a part of that team, and I I got to see Chris lead in a powerful way. I saw God use him in really amazing ways on the mission field. Chris serves all or served on our missions team here at Mission View Church. Uh, They meet once a month. They plan and and care for our missionaries all over the world. He's very active in that way. Chris served on the worship team here. He played drums with our worship band, and you probably saw him many times. Uh, He's just an amazing man. He personally made a great impact in my family. Excuse me, just a second here. Chris was the first guy to call me and invite me out to lunch. We became quick friends because Chris had toured and played in rock bands similar to like I had as well. We had a similar taste in music and a deep love of God's Word. So that, that lunch was uh, very impactful. Not only did he do that, uh, but he also reached out to my family and spent time investing in my kids. And he's just an amazing man of the Lord. But church, I want you to know that we don't grieve as those who grieve with no hope. That's what the Bible says. We grieve with hope knowing that we serve a resurrected king. And even now, we take joy in knowing that Christ is, or Chris is with Christ right now in heaven. All of the pain and all of the suffering and all of the, the struggles and trials that, that he faced and walked through have ended And he is now face-to-face with his king. So we take great hope in that. 
You know, as we go through the book of Daniel, one of the things that just keeps coming out, and you're going to hear it every week as we talk about it, is that Christianity isn't a halfway religion. What we believe about this book and what we believe about the person of Jesus Christ isn't something that you can just kind of halfway believe. If this is true, if Jesus is God, if he came and lived a perfect life and then died a sinner's death and then truly rose from the grave, if he truly ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, even now interceding for the chosen, for me and you, then our lives have to be completely turned upside down. If that's the reality, and it is the true reality, then we are a set-apart people, a holy people, that God has placed here for here and now, for this time, you were chosen to live right now for this purpose, just like Chris Durfler. Man, you look at the story of Daniel and what they're going to face today. Today's the story of the fiery furnace, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come face to face with a tyrant king, and he says, don't worship your God, fall on your knees and worship this golden idol. We're going to hear in the book of Daniel that that Nebuchadnezzar is furious, enraged against Rakshak and Benny because they will not kneel to an idol. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were very familiar with tyrant kings. They had seen Nebuchadnezzar fire up the fiery furnace before. They had seen Nebuchadnezzar open up the lion's den before. The horrific things that they must have witnessed under an exile, under this tyrant king, we have no comprehension of. And then you see their willingness to lay their life on the line and say, no, we only bow our knees to the one true king. Man, it makes me think, where am I at? Where am I at? You know, even now, there are Christians on planet Earth that are taking those same risks. There are Christians in China that are being murdered right now. There are Christians in the Middle East where the largest revival in Christianity is happening right now that are being murdered and killed and beheaded because they say they believe in Jesus. There's pastors in Canada sitting in jail cells. How far off are we? The time is coming, and it's coming quickly, where we will be coming face to face with tyrant kings, and they're going to say to you, do you believe in Christ or not? And that will determine where you go from there. It's not a halfway religion, folks. It is all in, it's all or nothing. Jesus is God, or he was some crazy dude. That's what we're seeing in Daniel, and I think that's what we're seeing in our world today, too. All right, before we jump into this, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And, and Lord, we confess and humble ourselves before you that we don't know everything. That we trust in you, the creator of all, the ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful God who sees all things, knows all things, that never changes, that has a plan, that knows the future, knows the past. 
And as we approach your word this morning, we approach it with humility. But God, we approach it with confidence, knowing that your Holy Spirit lives in us, that brings clarity to your word. So Father, I pray that you would give us clarity to your word, that it would take deep root in our hearts and change us for your glory and for your kingdom. We surrender to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's pick it up in Daniel chapter 3, starting verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. That's about just, you know, it's about 90 feet high, about the present-day present eight-story building and 9 feet wide. So you have this massive, massive thing. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps and prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of this image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, counselors, treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore... As soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all peoples, nations, languages, fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I'm going to stop right there. And the first thing I really want us to recognize about what's going on here in, in Babylon, and the first fill-in in your notes is this, don't be surprised when a corrupt culture acts corruptly. Don't be surprised when a corrupt culture acts corruptly. And this was quite a celebration, right? Quite the setup. You have this massive idol that's been built. And you can see that Daniel's trying to get across to us that everybody was at this celebration. He goes through that long list of governors and satraps and all this other leaders and all peoples and all nations all languages come, and they're going to worship this huge thing. This was a massive, massive party, a massive worship service. And this is one of, the, one of the things that really sticks out to me as we go through this is, if you remember last week, you had this, this dream you had Nebuchadnezzar having, and Daniel came, and, and at the end of the chapter, you have this tyrant pagan king who's just horrific, right? It talks about tearing people limb from limb, and now we have a fiery furnace. We know the lion's den's coming, right? We have this terrible guy who's worshiping God. You're, you're like, he goes from horrific tyrant to, oh man, Daniel's God is the one God. Let's all fall on our face and worship this one true God, right? And you're just like, yeah. I'm thinking as we get to that part of the story, I'm like, yeah, right. Nebuchadnezzar's seen the light. We're, we're, you know, Daniel's not going to be in such a bad spot anymore. You know, Rakshak and Minnie, they're going to be okay. Literally, the next chapter, the next verse is like, Nebuchadnezzar sets up an idol. And you're just like, how do you get there? 
how do you go from like the one true God and, and wanting to murder all of the people, the magicians and sorcerers and his, you know, his Hogwarts guys to, to, you know, to worshiping the one true God, and then you go right back. And I was, I, it just boggles my mind, you know, that, that he makes that quick of a transition. But I think that's something we need to recognize. That people, people who don't know Christ, people who don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in them, aren't going to act as if they do. Right? There is, there's a part of us that, I don't know about you, I'm kind of a, a, a cup half full kind of guy. Like, I'm positive, see potential in everybody, and you're just, I'm just like, you know, somebody's like really mean to me, and I'm just like, you know, they're just having a bad day. You know, they're really good. I'm sure they meant really good by that, right? You know, and, and so I just come up around them and, you know, and I'm, you know, it could be, everything could be like falling apart around me and I'm just like, oh, God has a plan. It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. And, you know, and that's, that's a strength and a weakness, right? Like things can be falling down around me. I'm like, it's going to be okay. And my wife's like, it's not okay. It's not okay. We got to do something. I'm like, okay, we got to do something, but it's going to be okay, you know, and and we have this, I have this kind of, you know, hope, you know, that, that you know, things are going to all going to work out and everything else. But we, we can get that way, and, but we don't want to be naive, right? That there's, there's a real spiritual battle happening for the souls of, of people. Like we have a real enemy, there's, that Satan's a real thing, and that God's real, and there's this, this, this battle that is happening, and, and there's something going on underneath all of what we see, and we have to be aware of this and, and know that there's real evil in the world, and when evil acts evil, not be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened, what are we going to do? Okay, so there's, there's like two responses, right? There's two responses that we can have to this this really pretty shocking activity of evil that happens around us. The, the first one is, is to not really expect it and, you know, kind of not, you know, maybe some naive, naivete there, but think that everything's okay. And when it does happen, be in complete shock and not be prepared to speak truth in love, right? As the Bible teaches us that we are to speak truth in love, that we'll be salt and light in a dark world, that we're God's re representatives, and, and that, that when things happen, we're not to, to go run and hide in a corner. When evil happens, we're not to be the ones that are silent, that, that we are the ones to speak out against these things. We are the one to bring truth when truth is lost. We're the ones that are supposed to be the outspoken, this is wrong, this is right, we need to fix this, let's do this. It's God's way. He has the best way. That's who we're called to be. And we don't want to be in a place of not knowing or a place of shock and just fading back into the corner. Oh, man, man you know what? I didn't see that one coming. Wow. Wow. Man, America's really gone down the, the, the wrong. I didn't see that coming. Oh, come on, right? We have to be a ready people. We can't be in shock when a corrupt culture acts corruptly. We have to be ready for a response. And that response is amazing, right? The response is love. The response is love. A winning, like this winsome, loving truth 
that, that is beckons people to the truth of God's word, that, that we know that, that God has a, a better way in here for humanity. That, that the actual creator of humanity knows what's best for humanity. Are we ready? Are we, are we ready for this corrupt culture that's creeping in around us? Or are we just falling back into silence, in shock? I mean, the other response, and when we're not expecting, the other response is this, this shock and, and offense. Just massively offended. And then we just respond in anger, right? It's just like, oh, I'm going to slap back and I'm going to verbally assault this person that acted so sinfully against me, right? That's really Christ-like. <laughs> the only people Jesus was very aggressive with were religious people. I mean, he's aggressive with the truth as he preached repentance. That was the word he came to preach was, turn from your sin. That was very... but. Man, you read the Sermon on the Mount, you read the, the sermons that he gave, and it, it's just, man, it's just full of love and this beckoning to the truth, right? No, we, we, we can't just verbally assault someone, right? That's not Christ-like. We have to be ready. And th that's really what we're going to see here. Rackshack and Benny, we're ready. It's funny, like, he says all this stuff. They're, they were, there was no question in their mind, right? They're just, they're ready for this. And they have the perfect loving response. Let's just even go back to last week too, before we jump into what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. Look how Daniel did it too. When, when, he's, when, when the king's like, you got to eat this food, man, and you got to do this, and, and, and it's going to make you strong, and you're going to look great for me and my kingdom and everything else. And they're like, wow. God's law says we can't eat that food. Look at how Daniel addresses the leaders that come to him and try and enforce him to sin. He's not like super combative. He's not like shocked that they were going to ask him to do something that God would consider sinful. He's not shocked at all. In fact, he argues it in this real, like, with, with one, with great wisdom, but two, in this really winsome way. And remember how he says it? He says, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let me and my boys eat some veggies. We'll do veggies and water. Not, you know, the bacon and beer. Hold on a second. Wow. Okay, now I'm really seeing their faith. Turning on bacon and beer. Taking veggies and water, right? He says, give us, give us some time with this. If we don't look just as good or better than your guys, then hey, We'll eat, the, we'll eat the bacon and beer. He doesn't, it's not this massive fight. It's not this, I'm taking a stand and you're going down. It's this winsome speaking the truth in love, trusting God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of hostility. And we're going to see the same thing, the same amazing thing through Rack, Shack, and Benny here. Let's pick it up, verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Man, okay, so let's just get this straight, right? These sorcerers, magicians, and Chaldeans, these dream interpreters, had it out for these Jewish guys ever since Daniel one-upped them, right? 
right? They, I mean, Daniel comes in, he's the only, he, Daniel comes in, which is really crazy, right? Like Daniel comes in and saves the day because Nebuchadnezzar's like, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. I want all of those magicians, all of those sorcerers, all of those guys that, that were coming in that were supposed to be able to do this, kill them all. Daniel comes in and saves the day. He saves all of them. And in fact, like what we talked about last week, Daniel could have come in and said like, I am the greatest magician of them all. I have the interpretation of the dream. You know, I'm amazing. No, he doesn't. He's like, hey, I'm just a normal dude, but my God's not normal. My God is the capital G, God of little g gods. My, my king is the king of kings, and he's the one who's given you this dream, and he's the one who has the interpretation. It's not me. This is my God. Right? So you see his humility and all this other stuff, but the Chaldeans, man, they don't care. They're like out to get him maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, verse 9 here, O king, live forever. As everybody addresses Nebuchadnezzar, he's, yeah, he's a tough guy. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now get this. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage. Now picture that, right? This guy sitting on a throne, furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands. Woo, man. You talk about taking a turn. Oh, Daniel's God is the God of all gods. Daniel's, let's all worship him. Everyone ascribe worship to. Man, like, you talk about flipping a switch. You're going to do what I say, and no God can deliver you out of my hands. Oh, man, I love this story. Man, it's like, that's like Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, all right, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jehovah, you ready for this? I'm, I'm going to put the ball right on the tee right here. He sets it down, and he's like, you ready? There's no God that can, but he's teeing this up. I mean, this is the point of this story where you're just like, yes. Yes, you think you're bad, right? Nebuchadnezzar, you think you're the man? Oh, yes. Yeah, keep going with this. We'll see where this goes, right? I love it. I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Okay, underline, circle, highlight, put stars beside. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's answers here. Listen. Our God can deliver us. Our God can deliver us out of your hands. 
oh, the faith these guys are walking in, right? They have seen the fiery furnace. They've probably seen it in use. They know about the lion's den. They've seen it in use. This guy is crazy. Nebuchadnezzar is psycho. And they're just like, we don't even have to answer you. <laughs> I wonder, you know, we can like read into this as much as we want, right? Like, because like, we're not in, we're not in the king's throne room, as this is being said. I mean, they could have they been like, bro, we don't even need to answer you. Like, our, our God is amazing. He's going to deliver us. Please. And there is kind of this confidence in the statements that they made there, right? Like, we don't even have to answer you in this matter. Excuse me? Right? Nebuchadnezzar's like, I, I don't think you said what you just think you said. Excuse me? I'm trying to give you a second chance here. Normally, I would just throw you in the fiery furnace, but I'm giving you a second chance here. No, we don't even need to answer you, man. Our God is the one true God. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Second filling in your notes is this. Stand for God's truth no matter what the cost. Now, listen in their answer, right? We have to really see what they said. That God's, God will, is able. They, say, they know God is able to, to make you know, whatever happened for them to be set free in whatever situation, God's going to protect them. They know God is able. But what do they say next? But if he doesn't, he's still God. If he doesn't, he's still the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's still God. <laughs> oh, man. We talked about it last week, right? Following God isn't always rainbows and unicorns. Sometimes it's tornadoes and pterodactyls. Last week we saw Daniel stand up for what was right, right in the face of this tyrant king, and Nebuchadnezzar ends up on his knees in worship. Now we're seeing these guys stand up for what is right, and they're getting ready to be thrown into a fiery furnace, right? Following Christ could cost you your life. Now, I could have said that in an American church about 20 years ago, and everybody had been like, yeah, right, I'm not in China. It's got a little bit of different sound to it today, doesn't it? Following Christ, obeying God's word and not the word of some tyrant king could cost you your life. And like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego say, our God is powerful enough to deliver us. He is able. Our God is able. But if he doesn't, he's still good. And he's still God. And he's still all powerful. Hmm. Following God's not for the faint hearted. God doesn't promise us a life of peace and tranquility. A life of joy and happiness. He promises us a life with him. A life with his Holy Spirit living in us and changing us and growing us. He promises us a life of change. That he's going to move us from place to place in this journey of spirituality and relationship with him. And let's be honest, we don't like change. Right? We like our happy little world. And our happy little house with our happy little family. Our happy bills and our happy, well, not maybe not happy bills, but our happy little stuff. 
right? You heard me say it, I say it all the time. God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Christianity, a relationship with the creator of the universe, you don't stay the same when you walk in relationship with the creator of the universe. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. He is consistently and constantly changing us to be more and more like Christ. And that is so good and so hard. So hard. That's one of the hard truths about Christianity. There are two things I am certain that the Bible teaches us about this life. One, God is changing and growing those who know him. And two, he is reaching out and calling those who don't know him yet. And get this, we are invited into the work of both of those things. We are invited into the work of both of those things. And that work isn't easy. Sometimes, most of the time, it means going against the mainstream. Most of the time, it is counterculture. Most of the time, it leads to persecution. Now, I'm not talking about like inviting your neighbor to church. That's easy. I'm talking about going against a corrupt culture and standing up and speaking out for what God's truth says, like the corruption of abortion, like the corruption of human sexuality, like the corruption of abusive church leadership, like the corruption of injustice. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're seeing here in the book of Daniel. When the corrupt culture comes in and says, hey, this is righteousness, this is beautiful. This is love. And we open this up, and this says, no, that is corruption. That goes against everything God created. That goes against everything God has said. Killing babies is wrong, and we should repent of it, and we should not do it anymore. You think you would get in trouble for saying that somewhere? You, maybe you get persecuted for saying something like that. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe America's not so far off from Babylon. We cannot sit idly by and not say and do something. We have to stand up for what is right. Speak out for biblical truth and biblical justice. If we are going to thrive in a corrupt culture, we're going to have to pay the price. And there is a price for truth. Especially in a corruption that doesn't believe in truth. Okay, everybody excited to be a Christian now? <laughs> right? Oh, Daniel, this is just going to be a fun, easy book to work through. It's just going to be warm and fuzzies every Sunday, right? That's the sermon we've all been waiting to hear, right? Give your life to Jesus. You're going to die. <laughs> right? Right? But this, this gets good. This, verse 19. Here he is again. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's basically saying, man, I should never have given these guys a second chance. I cannot believe I put them in leadership in my country. I'm going to kill you. That's what's happening. He ordered that the furnace be heated seven times more than it usually was heated. 
And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Hey, give your life to Jesus. It could cost you your life. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, The flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So hot that the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up to this fire died. Okay, the furnace, what this thing looked like was massive. It was cut into the ground. You could see into it from the top, but you could walk into it from the front. So think of it cut into the side of a hill that's flattened on top. You can... You know, you can kind of see this massive fiery furnace that these guys get thrown into. You could walk into it. You could see into it from the front. You could see into it from the top. They're at the top. These guys take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are bound, carry them to the, the side close enough to drop them in, and they die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fall in and are in the fiery furnace. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did did we not cast three men into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four, four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Oh man, this is getting good, isn't it? Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Somebody's tune has changed. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command. And yielded up their bodies. Yielded up their bodies. Rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore I make a decree any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. He's still not a nice guy. And their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sold out 110% all in. Yahweh, Jehovah, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the one true God. In a corrupt culture, we will be challenged and our faith will cost us something. Are you all in? 
Are you all in? Third fill in your notes is this. When we stand for truth, we will receive the heat of the world. But God will walk with us through the fire. When we stand up for truth, when we speak God's truth in love, like Daniel did, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, we will receive the heat from the world. But God will walk with us through the fire. Jesus is with us. Can you imagine the conversation Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were having? You're, you're being held, carried by these mighty men from the army. These guys are probably like Pat Culpepper, right? Like 6'8", 250, benching 400 pounds. These are the mighty men. They carry them up. These guys are carrying you to the edge of this furnace. I wonder if they felt the heat. I wonder if, I wonder if Rakshak and Benny actually felt the heat a little bit as they got closer, close to it. I'm sure they looked at these guys that were carrying them, and as their eyebrows were singeing off their heads and their hair was burning off of their heads, and they took their last breath and they dropped them, I'm sure they saw the heat. Well, what were they thinking? You know, like, man, I thought God was going to come, you know, like he did for Daniel with the dream. I didn't think we'd actually be walking up here right now. Where's Daniel when you need him? Come on. You know, God, how far are you going to let this go? I mean, we're getting close. We're really close. Nebuchadnezzar's still really mad. What's happening? Oh my gosh, the guy carrying me is dying. Oh my gosh. And they're in the first, Jesus, is that you? Son of God, is that you? Wait, why are we okay? Why are we not bound? The only thing that got burned up in the fire was something that the world bound them with. Ooh, a little symbolism there, maybe? Man. Get this, not everyone survives walking through the fire, though. In this story, you know, we heard Rakshak and Benny talk about it, like God is able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, he's still God. He's still the King of kings and Lord of lords. They knew they might die that day. And they were willing to die that day. Not everyone survives walking through the fire, but everyone who walks through the fire is a witness to the greatness and glory of God. And here's the reality. We are either miracles or martyrs. Either way, God is glorified. Martyr is a strong word, right? You're probably sitting out there going, man, why is Pastor Matt being so melodramatic? Oh my gosh, miracles are martyrs. Think about this. There is a story happening beneath this story. There is a prophetic foreshadowing. And, and you can study this this week as you meet with your community groups. I want you to open up to Revelation chapter 13 this week. I'm just going to give you a brief overview of what's happening here. In the coming tribulation, a Gentile ruler will demand for himself the worship that belongs to God. We see this in 2 Thessalonians 2.4, Revelation 13.8. Any who refuse to acknowledge his right to receive worship will be killed. Revelation 13, 15. Assuming political and religious power, he will oppress Israel. Revelation 13, 7. Most of the people in the world, including many in Israel, will submit to and worship him. But a small remnant in Israel, like the three in Daniel's day, will refuse. Many who will not worship the Antichrist will be severely punished. Some will be martyred. 
for their faithfulness to Jesus Christ, but a few will be delivered from persecution by the Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming. Why is this prophetic implication so important? And here's why. We have to remember what's at stake. We have to remember what is at stake. Every human being will be resurrected one day to an eternity with God in heaven or an eternity separated from God in hell. We're not up here playing games. We're not out there playing games. We know the cost. We know the end of the story. It's written in this book. We know what happens. We know who wins and we know who loses. We know what side we're on. And we know that we serve a winning God, a conquering king. If we don't remember that, if we don't keep that right here, the forefront of our mind, we'll get all lost in this mess. We'll get all caught up in masks or no masks. We'll get all caught up in how we deal with politics. We'll get all caught up with all these other things and make that what we're living our lives around and basing our ideas around and just what we're absorbed with. We'll just spend hours upon hours on Facebook or on Instagram looking at news sources and try, you know, going through all this stuff. Now, none of that's bad. We need to be aware. We need to be educated on what's going on. But that's not where we live. That's not the end of the story. We know the end of the story. We know that God wins. We know Jesus is coming, and he will judge every human being that has ever lived and walked this earth. And all of us will live in eternity. But where will you live in eternity? When a corrupt culture demands that we sin, we graciously refuse and humbly bear the consequences, trusting God will walk with us through the fire. And here's, here's the fact of the matter. I, I'd rather walk through the fire with Jesus by my side than sinfully kneel before a tyrant king. Now, if you're new here, and you're coming, you're here, and you, maybe you're just listening online, you just came across the live stream and you want to know a little bit about what Jesus is all about and you're hearing all this stuff, you're going, what in the world is this guy talking about? And you're thinking to yourself, what would cause a person to be willing to give up their life this way? This Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who lived, you know, 600 years, why what would cause them to, to be willing to be thrown into a fiery furnace by some crazy old guy, right? Like, who would do that? And, and why, would Matt, why would this guy be saying that he would rather walk through a fire and face persecution and give his life for this? What, what causes people to do that? What would cause us to go there? What, what, what would spark in us that kind of confidence and willingness and sacrifice? If you're wondering that, I'm about to tell you, tell you right now. This is why. Because I was a hor horrific, horrible, evil, tyrant man. A sinner. And all I thought about was myself and what I could have and what I could gather and what I could gain. 
I was living life for myself, me, myself, and I. There was no redeeming property of who I was. And I didn't even know it. I thought I was a good person. And all of a sudden, for no good reason that I can ever think of, God showed up in my life and showed me what a mess I was. I thought I was doing good. I was living the dream. And God shows up and he says, you're a hot mess. And he shows me this selfishness and pride and wickedness and evil inside of me that was underneath motivations and all these other things. And I was broke. I was a, I was a mess. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I need help. God, I need something. I need you. I could have just lived out my life thinking I was a good person. I could have lived out my life the way I was, but God in his great mercy and kindness looked down at me and he said, no, 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 you're mine. And I've got purpose for you. I've got plans for you. I have a destiny for you. And in that moment, in that realization, my life was flipped upside down. Everything was changed. And, and there was this, this conviction that happened in me, and I wasn't depressed. It was this conviction of, of, oh, I need God, and he loves me, and I'm going to run to him. And this conviction threw me to my face and on my knees, and I said, yes, this is what I need. You are who I need. Take my life. Take it all. Just do whatever you want with me. In that realization, when I knew that, that Jesus is the one true God, and that he lived a perfect life without sin because I can't. And he died a sinner's death on a cross, just like Corey pointed out so amazingly. That he hung on a cross for hours for me. When I realize that and I see his grace and mercy coming down to a sinner like me, I am going to give everything I am, everything I have to him. Not because I'm some amazing good person, but because he's an amazing good God. You may be hearing this for the first time. You've been walking around this earth with an emptiness in your heart, wondering, what is my life all about? You're thinking to yourself, there has to be more than this. And I'm here to tell you today, there is more than that. Your creator who formed you in your mother's womb has a plan and a destiny set aside for you. This story of human history isn't about you. It is about the king that created you and loves you, and he has a plan for you. And when we take ourselves out of the center of this story and make God, we make Jesus Christ the center of the story, we get to play a part. And he invites us in to play a part. And I'm telling you right now, he's inviting you in to play your part. He has a destiny for you. Will you lay your life at his feet? Go 110% all the way in like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, God, my life is yours. You have a choice to make. You can leave this place and live for yourself, live in pride, and destroy your life. Or you can give it to Jesus Christ and say, he is the one true king. Take my life. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the example of people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you, through them, gave them the strength, the courage, the audacity to stand against a tyrant king and believe in you, no matter what the cost. Father, I pray for those right now who you are calling to yourself. You are breathing life into them right now, showing them their destiny, their future with you. I pray that you would seal the work of salvation in them right now. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that is you this morning, I would just ask that you would raise your hand. If you want to give your life to Jesus, 100% I see that hand. Praise the Lord. If that's you, praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Surrendering your life to Christ. Pray this with me. Father, forgive me of my sins. I want to be all in with you. I give my tomorrow, I give my future to you. I lay my life at your feet. Come be God in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.